Welcome to the Limitless Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Mason. The time is now for us to break free of conditioned habits, think for ourselves, and realize our limitless nature. We will explore talks on meditation, creativity, wellness, spirituality, and storytelling. You're in for a treat because we're peeling back the layers and diving deep. I'll be having diverse voices from all different creative backgrounds and points of view on to discuss what makes their soul limitless. Plug in and tune out the outside world as we go on this journey together. Welcome, Ashley, to the Limitless Soul podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So curious about your journey. <laughs> um, and before we get started, counterterrorism, because that's what I was like, wait a second, I have got to talk to her. <laughs> yeah. um, because in, in a lot of ways, we've been really sim- similar in pivoting and um, following this inner world. And I know so many of our listeners are on that path as well. Like, what am I doing with my life? What do I want to do with my life? Where am I going? And maybe find themselves in a in a job or a path that feels like they just keep having to do it over and over again because they don't know how to choose what's next. So um, before we like dive into intuition and being radically honest and following your path and choosing what's best for us, I'd love to hear a little bit about your path to discovering that this was your divine skill set of helping other people um, through your own journey. So can you tell us a little bit about how you went from being a counterterrorism specialist into being this amazing, like fortune 500 company speaker and Ted talks and coaching people all over the world and helping people find their path. Yeah. I'm so honored um, to be here. And I mean, if you look at counterterrorism and national security, the most life changing life-saving tool that you can learn in that space is intuition. Mm. Intuition is what saves your life if you work in national security. And to me, the definition of intuition I got from a medium named Noah Berman. And he says, intuition is knowing what you know without knowing why you know it. Mm. And I think a lot of people get confused on what is instinct, what is intellect, what is intuition. And um, Osho is such a controversial figure, but one thing I love is his teaching on these three topics. He talks about how instinct is what your body automatically knows to do. If you're in a coma, your body's still breathing. It's beyond intellectualizing. Um, We live in an intellectual world now. I think that kind of rooted in uh, Descartes and his philosophy that if you don't see it, it doesn't exist. Um, And, you know, I feel like we've kind of gotten far off from this third superpower that I think is a blend of the mystical and the practical, which is intuition. And you know, if we know our science, it's that our, our body has 200 million neurons in our gut. And so it's the size of a Ketterdog's brain. You know, I have a German shepherd and he's pretty smart. So I always think like my gut is just as smart as his, his entire brain. And so there's an intelligence to when your stomach st- sinks, when you feel a sense of expansion, when you, when you feel a nudge, when you feel a knowing. And I think where people get stuck is that they don't realize that intuition is absolute. It's not emotive, meaning it's not going to emote. It's not going to have drama. It's not going to chat and chat and chat. Intuition sounds like move towards this, move away from this. This is good for you. This isn't good for you. This feels good. This doesn't feel good. And for some reason, I think growing up, we were learned, we were taught to disconnect from that. And so 
I've always been a pretty intuitive person. I had really good people skills. Um, not so much when I was a little kid, I was kicked out of preschool for headbutting and kind of an out of control kid. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, later in my life, I developed really good social skills. And when I graduated during the recession and I'd studied government history and French, I had a knack for foreign languages. I had a fascination for cultures and people, and I had a gift for people who would share with me. And so I thought being a spy was an amazing career path because (laughs) I could help the world and and just by being me, people will share with me and I'll help the world. What I miscalculated in my career is that there's two core dynamics. There's the what and the how. The what comes down to what are your skill sets? Where are you gifted? What's natural for you? And the how comes down to how do you work best? You know, given that we know 50% of people leave their job because they don't like their boss, what we can assume to be true is that how your job looks matters just as much as what your job is. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the what was synced up right. I was able to use my people skills to help the world and make people comfortable. And uh, and the flip side, I'm way too sensitive of a person. If you look at my core values of connection and inspiration and creativity, they're just not compatible with a career in counterterrorism. But what I took from it uh, after leaving the Pentagon in my early 20s, was a knack for intuition because I was taught it at a different level. Mm. And so when I left, people would come to me in transition and I would look at their body language and I would see incongruence. And that's what you're supposed to do when you work in counterterrorism. You're supposed to notice when something doesn't add up. Mm. And um, I think that as people, a lot of the time, what we say and what we feel don't add up. And we're in so much autopilot that we're not paying attention to that. So because I landed such a cool job opportunity in counterterrorism, I was able to help friends, get help them get job offers. I used my people skills for my job. I ended up teaching people skills um, authentically. I don't believe you have to be anyone else but you. I think it's just about figuring out who are you so you can go be you. Um, and ever since then, I've had my online courses on how to get job offers, how to figure out your career path, make career pivots, start businesses. And it's been about 12 years now since getting my book deal and um, starting my podcast and just taking a step out of national security. That's amazing because I would never think intuition, Pentagon, but hearing you explain it in that way of like that really high level of discernment yeah, is like, it makes so much sense. Yeah. It makes so much sense. And then I have all these other rabbit hole questions that maybe I shouldn't go down, but I'm like, I love rabbit holes. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. I'm like, because I've been reading about like remote viewing and things like that, about people, you know, doing like being able to um deeply tap into their inner knowing and inner vision. So is that you know, I mean, you don't have to tell me it's the, you know, top secret Pentagon things, but no. Um, that is something I'm so interested in like this, this, um, being able to tap into the inner vision, the inner knowing, um, the inner ear, the inner listening, this is all stuff that's in, you know, yogic texts. And when, when we're working with like, I'm a cranial sacral therapist. So we learn about like the inner listening, the inner viewing, and there's been so much science now proving that, you know, through brainwaves and all this stuff that this is actually happening. So, um, like in your experience, do you have you had any experience with those kinds of things? Like the, the deeper, the deeper levels of the way that we're, uh, you know, these people who are in charge of really big, you know, our safety, our entire safety that are accessing these 
like more mystical concepts, right? Like we're in the yoga world or in the energy healing world, some intuitive coaching and stuff. There's a lot of talk about things like that, but now it's starting. I mean, Obama talked about aliens and things yeah. like that. So it's like, is this just our normal conversation now? Is this just, you know, are we moving in that direction? Yeah. I remember seeing Tony Robbins on the cover of fortune magazine, like maybe three, four, or even five years ago. And I remember thinking this is one of those moments where the future is leaking into the present, showing me the direction that we're going. Mm -hmm. The fact that the majority of business leaders are listening to coaches right now in the fortune 500, the fact that the most successful people I know tend to be also the most spiritual people I know, there is something to the mystical in coupling it with the practical and I think a lot of um, people are questioning the five senses and questioning the invisible and saying, mm -hmm. is the human limits that we have really what exists? And the answer is absolutely not. We already know that if we get a microscope, we can see a whole world of bacterias and viruses that have their own agenda and things that they're doing, just like living beings like we are. Um, and even though we have different levels of intelligence, I think uh, really understanding that there's so much more to the world than meets the eye is so important to humble yourself and really getting that there's an ego to believing that everything you see and sense is all that there is. Um, as far as my own intuition goes, you know, I think a lot of people that I saw doing well in national security were absolutely very smart, but also very intuitive. They would feel something wrong that they couldn't explain. And that would lend itself to, you know, being life-saving for them. So yeah. I think uh, in my case, uh, I've always been very intuitive. I remember taking exploratory French classes when I was in middle school, and it was French one. And the instructor said, our homework was to bring a picture of, of something in our life and describe the photo in front of the class. And it was like the final exam of French one. So these kids get up and they're fumbling and bumbling through their, you know, their picture. And I get up and I just describe it like straight on as if I knew French. And he came up to me after class. He said, where'd you learn French? And I said, I, I didn't. And um, I'm part French. I'm like, I think it's, you know, 23 and me claims I'm 25% French and somehow related to Marie Antoinette, which is kind of disturbing. She, was, she wasn't the nicest woman. Wow. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it really got me questioning at age 12, 13, like, have I been here before? Why do I speak a language that I wasn't taught? Um, I learned Spanish by the time I was five. When I finished grad school, I was learning Arabic as well as Dari, which is spoken in Afghanistan. So whether languages stick with me is a whole different thing. I'm right now just bilingual in French and English, but um, these languages would come in like a sponge for me. And it got me questioning. And, and I even remember when I was seven, I used to look in the mirror and I would touch my face and I didn't recognize me. Mm -hmm. And I would say to my little seven-year-old self in the mirror, I'd say, who are you? Mm -hmm. And so I think I've come in as a soul who is really questioning the world that we live in and the things that people say and the things that I believe. And I think everybody should always question everything, especially what I'm saying, because I'm no more intelligent than anyone else listening. Yeah. So coming from like such an intellectual, we're such an intellectual kind of more masculine based yeah. world where it's like, see it to believe it. I need, I need proof. Um, and you're coming from this different angle. And I, so I, I'm just really, really obsessed with your work and it's so cool what you're doing. Cause it's, it's like this different ask of like, no, we need to trust the, the feeling we need to trust the knowing. 
And it's, it's so interesting to hear you talk about it in, in the sense of like our government utilizing that same philosophy. <laughs> like yeah. I'm imagining like a serious situation and someone's like, I just know. It's yeah. like, I just know, <laughs> yeah. or I have this feeling, yeah. um, and that, that becoming more acceptable as a, as a pathway, as a way to, um, problem solve and as a way to innovate yeah. is to actually trust what is inside, right? Like that stuff that you're talking about that I came in with all these languages. I have access, I have inner access to foreign languages that nobody intellectually taught me. I didn't absorb knowledge. It's and just there's cases too. If you look online of people who get in car accidents and they wake up speaking Japanese or languages they were never yeah. taught in this life. So it's, it's totally a phenomenon that only reincarnation can explain. And I'm not here to project any beliefs on anyone. I think it's so important. Everyone kind of comes up with their own clarity on what they think is true. But I think the real work with intuition, at least, is not making yourself wrong when you have a knowing and you're wrong when you're off. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's part of the work is giving yourself a permission slip to still flex that muscle. You know, I think the reason that there's healers and intuitives out there that are stronger than others is some of them have sharpened that sense more than others. And, and it's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with um, feeling like you have a knowing and then being off and then mm -hmm. course correcting and trying again. I think the real work is not making it mean anything about you when you're off. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely really important. Um, so in your work, when you're coaching and you're working with people, helping them find their path, how does, how does the intuit intuition show up? How do you teach people in your work to tap into the inner knowing and trust that they're going, because there's a million different pathways to choose. It's like, yeah. so, um, what is your process like of, yeah. of accessing that for an individual? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely different than what you're going to get in counterterrorism, but I guess there's some <laughs> practices. Um, I would say the beginning, because it's really about decision-making. So the first step is not to, a lot of people will come to me, especially if they've taken my courses or read my book or, or even just want one-on-one -on -one mentorship. They'll come to me and say, I want clarity as if it's like a latte, we can go get on the street corner. But the truth is you don't need clarity. You need to connect to yourself and that's an intuitive job. And what that looks like is instead of looking for the answers, um, let life be your coach, be with life, be with the question that you have and make your job a job of connecting to yourself. So what that can look like is saying, who are the people, the places, the things, the friends that are in my life that make me feel like me? make me feel my nervous system is regulated, a sense of calm, a sense of peace, a sense of expansion, a sense of flow, whoever it is that you want to be. Because I think it's just important to ask yourself, as important to ask yourself, who am I and who do I want to be? Two very important questions. I think too much self-help is, is focused on who do I want to be and not enough of, but who am I right now? Mm. Um, so I say, pay attention. You know, I have a lot of girlfriends and I love them all. There's a couple in particular where when I'm with them, I'm me again. And it's sacred. Um, I, you know, I come from Los Angeles. I live in New York. And when I'm in LA or when I was there, I used to, when I had like a rough day or I didn't have answers, I noticed that when I went to the beach, they would come. So I'd go put my feet in the sand. I would sit there with a journal. I'd read a book. I'd put a sun hat on. By the end of the day, I felt so much more me and so much more regulated. Um, and so I think that anyone's job listening is not to 
force it upon themselves to, you know, know who they are right now or know what they want, but instead just to surround themselves with the things that make them feel at home. Um, even for me at hip hop dance classes, I really feel free when I'm dancing. I love nightclubs. I love EDM music. There's something very freeing for me about it. So don't be surprised if you're a New Yorker and you see me out dancing at a nightclub. (laughs) (laughs) That's so fun. Um, so, okay. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of get to this, this question that I have about, um, action. So Mm -hmm. moving from this intuitive space, because we all have intuition, we all have like these, these little nudges, these like gut feelings, but getting the, like the difference between somebody who's actually successful and you, you're like, Oh my gosh, they're doing it. They're like, look at her following her dreams and creating her reality, all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what would you suggest to people who do feel these intuitive nudges? Like, I don't like what I, the process that I'm in or the job that I'm in or the path that I'm on. I want to change. I know this is what I want to do. What's the jumping off point. What's the actual, the turn, the pivot that gets you to build the momentum in the direction that, you know, you want to go to who you want to be from who who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I honestly think that, you know, the concept of my work, you know, whether it's the podcast or the book is called U-Turn, Y-O-U. And it's because I think a lot of people are like pendulums when they, here's how I would say it. I think U-Turn is about coming home to yourself instead of going back the way you came Hmm. or being like a pendulum. And coming back to yourself takes work. Being happy takes work. It takes saying no to things that you don't want. It takes, and one of the highest forms of distraction can be opportunities. Distraction can come packaged very abundantly. It can come looking like very exciting things that we want to do. And really those are just distractions from who we might actually want to be. So I think it's really important to A, slow down. Um, Secondly, I think your career has three lily pads and my work is really to get people at least to the second one Mm -hmm. and your life, your self-discovery. The first one is experimentation and experimenting is the cost of admission in your career and your life. And if you're not willing to do it, it's kind of the equivalent of going to preschool and your mom telling you the first kid you have a crush on, you need to marry them. Like it's, it's really ridiculous what we're doing in our Mm -hmm. career. And so I would say, if you're not willing to pay the cost of admission that comes with life, which is being experimental, then you're going to choose stuckness. Um, so either get nimble and you get curious or you get stuck and that's it. Um, very rarely do people come into the world knowing their path. And for those people, that's awesome, but they are the exception. They are not the rule. Um, so I would say the first lily pad is just trying things on being curious. And if you didn't do it earlier in life, you're going to have to do it later in life usually. So being willing to be in the experiment, being willing to try things on, being willing to hold, you know, job hunt moves lightly, um, being willing to try something on. And then I think from there, you swim over to the second lily pad. And the most important thing to know is that when you're in transition and you feel groundless, it's very tempting to grab grounding, to grab a plan, but that's the, one of the most damaging things you can do. And my grandma, I talk about her in my book, she calls it the divine unknown. And mm-hmm you know, your ability to stand in the divine unknown and not grab onto something just to have it is the key ingredient to finding the answers that you really want. So I think swimming from that experimental lily pad over to the next one, the second lily pad is what my work is here to do. No matter what I'm doing, whether I'm speaking or reading or writing or whatever is to help someone figure out what is my gift? 
So in my book, I think it's chapter two, I talk about um, 10 different core skill sets I think exist in the workforce. And while I can't reduce, you know, the entire workforce into 10 boxes, I can say that most people largely fit under these 10 umbrellas. And when you know what your core skill set is, life becomes a sifting game. Suddenly you're working in your gift and you're able to say yes or no to opportunities. That's what's happening on the second lily pad. Because if you pay attention to your career, you'll notice that when somebody's really gifted, people notice. People mm-hmm. notice when somebody's good at their job, everybody wants them. Usually the best person is the most burnt out person because everybody wants them to do everything because they're so good. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to give it to the person that isn't going to do as good of a job. And so the talent usually gets punished by being burnt out and overworked. That being said, when you are the talent, when you are in your gift, when you are locked in, which is what my job is as a career expert, is to help people get into that gift. Your world is about saying yes and no to opportunities. And when you say yes to the right opportunities and no to the wrong ones, you have the opportunity to swim over to the third lily pad, which is dharma, which is soul work. A lot of people don't ever get there and that's okay. You know, like you're here to do you in this lifetime. There's so many ways to feel purpose. You don't have to have Dharma through your career. Some people do, some people don't. I had that when I was writing my book, it felt like a sense of flow, like magic was flying through my fingertips. I was a portal. I was in a transmission. Um, and I've gone back to the second lily pad now, like I'm done writing the book. It's out there. And I, you know, when I do podcasting, I feel it like I really love it, but I'm still kind of just operating in my gift. And I do believe that at some point I'll move back over to that third one. Um, But hopefully that answers your question as far as like the process of what I think life discovery, self-discovery looks like is the the experimental phase could be years and you have to be willing to sit in that in order to keep moving forward. Yeah, it totally does. And especially, you know, a lot of people probably who are listening, feel that they are in that second space. It's like, okay, I know that I'm good at, um, communicating. I know that I'm really good at taking care of people, or I really know that I'm good at coaching, whatever it might be, but find their themselves stuck, Yeah, like find themselves like at an edge. And that's when a lot of people end up coming to me is like, they're at this edge. And then I, we try to go deeper. Like what, what is, stopping you from going from here to, to jumping off that edge. What's the fear? What's the, what's the, um, what's the, the thing that, that you've built up in your way. Um, so when you're working with people, what is, what are the most common things that you're finding that are getting in people's way unconsciously? Because normally that's what it is. Is they're like, I have no idea. Like I just can't grow. I can't move forward. Um, and they need that outside outside perspective. Right. I mean, there's the unconscious, which it's almost like we don't want to know what's unconscious unless we're ready. Usually that's traumatic events that our brain protected us from because we couldn't handle the information or we didn't have the tools to process it at the time. That's why a lot of people will suppress trauma or memories and then they'll remember them 10 years later. That's unconscious. And I don't wish for anyone's unconscious material to come up unless it's supposed to, which is tends to do what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, subconsciously, I think it ha- our subconscious is the beliefs that we have about the world that we're not paying attention to a lot of the time. So once we're paying attention to them, they're conscious beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think we all come into the world with a thermostat that was set by our parents, um, their beliefs and the conversations we overhear about success, failure, possibility, and we tend to adopt what they think unless we question it and question our thermostat setting. Um, and so I would say, take a look at your life and ask yourself, you know, what were 
the conversations like in your house about success, about money, about failure? What was the energy like in your house? Um, a woman on my show, U-Turn Podcast, her name is Tatiana. I think she's episode 76. She talks about nest energy mm-hmm. and how she calls our nest energy the energy that we kind of grew up in and got used to and how we kind of recreate our nest energy because it's a comfort zone. We're attracted to people who have similar nest energy for better or for worse. Um, And so I would say taking a look at your nest energy and what that feels like for you. So my nest energy was really chaotic. I had a really fun family, really good family, but really frenetic. My dad lost his company when I was a kid. And most of my adolescence was characterized by him reinventing himself. And he had a lot of stress about that. And I felt that as a kid, Um, there's a lot of instability there and that became comfortable for me. And it has taken a Herculean effort for me to not have instability be my comfort zone. I've had to do so much self-work. And there's so many ways I can create instability. I can create in my love life by picking you know, the guy on the motorcycle with like tattoos. And I mean, I hate to stereotype, but you know what I mean? Like I have a crazy fling and he's not really stable for my love life or, um, in my, my career, I can take huge risks in business and totally destabilize my companies. Um, you know, there's so many ways that I've used money as a weapon against myself or love as a weapon against myself. It all comes back to my nest energy. Mm -hmm. Um, you look at your, so that's a lot of subconscious material there, but Remembering that your subconscious has veto power over your conscious mind. So you can say that you want a new job, but if you don't believe you're worthy because of your upbringing, because of the conversations you've experienced, then you're not going to go get that big, exciting job. Usually I do think you can manifest against it. I don't believe that you're always not going to get what you want. If you don't believe you can have it. I think sometimes life is fun and nice and you get what you want. Even if you don't think you deserve it, I think that totally happens. Um, But I think that that work really shifts the action that you take and the results that you get when you question those limitations. Um, let's talk about you for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in your path, what has there been any like really pivotal moments in your experience that, uh, have helped you keep propelling in this direction? Like, um, keep you like hungry and like excited about like keeping going because as an entrepreneur, as a creator an innovator, you have to constantly like yeah. be evolving and be changing or else you're just going to stay where you are. Or you, you know, you don't create something new. You don't create anything, um, different if you don't shift your perspective. So has yeah. there been any like really pivotal things in your life that opened you up to like, I have to expand. I have to grow um, in your, in your work and in your, your life. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, you know, in the world of entrepreneurship, everybody talks a lot about creating and succeeding initially. um, But not everyone talks about sustaining. Mm -hmm. Sustaining isn't as sexy. Like think about romantic relationships. What you need to say yes at the beginning is so different then what it takes for it to be a yes in the middle, what it takes to be a yes at the end of your life. Like it's just completely different. So I think that's the case when it comes to business, what's a yes for you to make your business happen might not be a yes for you to keep your business going. So you have to be nimble and you also have to be very mindful. Like I said, with the lily pads of the space in between. So for me, I'm actually currently in a time right now where our revenue is flat. 
um, in my company. And the reason is I've created my podcast. I love it. It's making the revenue it makes. I created my courses. I believe in them. They're making the revenue they make. I wrote my book. I believe in it. It's making the revenue it makes. There's nothing on my heart yet. I'm in the in-between of what I want to make next. And money will never incentivize me enough to just create something. I've been there and I've done that and doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So I'm just being with life. I have a lot of free time and I'm making space for the answer to come through. Mm -hmm. um, I've thought about creating a course on performance and I've thought about creating courses for employers on retention, but nothing is coming loudly enough through. So I'm just being in my life with everything. And, um, it's been really scary, but also really nice and really important. And I think there's a dignity to being in this process. I love to hear that. I think that we need to hear more of that. Yeah. Um, cause a lot of times when you think about business or you hear people talking about business, it's like scale, 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 grow, grow, grow. Yeah, and not so much about like, B, B, B. <laughs> B, yeah, like be with what you've created until the, the spontaneous urge comes. I've done the same thing. I've created probably like five courses and I haven't launched any of them. By the time I go to launch it, it doesn't even, I'm like, it's done. Like I don't even, it's not even, it's not relevant anymore. I don't even want it anymore. Um, like I outgrew it in the process. Um, but yeah, the, the being with your life and just like letting it come is so important. And yeah. So for you, what has that process been like? Like, what do you, what do you do in your free time or what kind of yeah. thing, what kind of things are, are flowing into your field that are yeah. helping you stay like content and also, um, trusting yeah. that this process is going to reveal something greater than rushing, Like Rushing is one of the biggest things I've been working on is like the yeah. difference between rushing and, and like moving quickly. Because mm -hmm. when, when there's a spontaneous I want, I want to like move with it. I want to ride the momentum, but I don't want to rush something yeah. and make it happen. So in this little in-between time, what's, what's going on for you? What's showing up in your life? That's helping you stay in that being state and also the trusting state. Yeah. I think there's two forces for clarity in the in-between, um, that we really need to dive into. The first one is space. And the second one is information. Um, and there's many different ways to get information. I think conversations are a powerful tool for clarity, especially with people who inspire you. And I think information through books, um, a lot of people recommend good books to me all the time. Like, oh, I love that book. I find that I don't like to read books unless it's scratching an itch for me, meaning I'm thirsty for the information because I'm sitting with a question that relates to it. So I would recommend anyone ask themselves, where am I in pain? Where do I need information? what information would be healing for me, helpful for me, get a book about that. Go on Amazon and find one of the best books and the highest rated books you can about that thing that you're thirsty to know, because it's much easier, easier to read. I think a lot of people are overwhelmed by the amount of information that we get today. So reading is kind of overwhelming unless you really want the information. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I read a lot. I read a lot about intuition. I read a lot about love. Um, I read a lot about, um, yeah. I mean, those are pretty much my two themes that I read about the most and I have a lot of space. So I meditate in the mornings. I make coffee in the mornings. I walk my dog. I don't start work until 11 AM every morning. Uh, that's the earliest I start. So the mornings I usually wake up around eight, I make my coffee. I listen to calm music. I write my journal. I walk my dog for an hour around New York. And, um, then I get ready for the day and have my meetings or whatever it is that I'm doing. So 
Um, my schedule is really spacious. I probably do a few podcasts every other week and um, whether it's for my show or for someone else's. And um, I write a lot of blogs when I'm inspired, but I'm in an inspiration-based time right now. It does feel scary because I think as humans, it's natural for us to want to grow. Um, but I think that's one of the most damaging things is growing for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. Like growing a business just so it's bigger, like usually not the most inspiring thing to do. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing to consume right now? Like, what are you interested in reading? Um, I would say I, I've been reading Osho's book intuition and I absolutely love it. Um, I've been turning back to it. I'm also reading women who run with wolves. Ooh, yes. I mean, slow I've been, roll. I've, I've been reading that for like three years. Yeah. It's a slow burn <laughs> that one. It is. I, I feel like I need like a whole processing period after I read yeah. like a, a fable or a story. Yeah. Um, what's your, what's your favorite one that you've read in women, women who run with wolves so far? What's my favorite story or what's my favorite concept? Either or. Oh, I would say um, in the Women Who Run With Wolves book, what I love the most is about her talking about how the wild woman leaves no stone unturned. So when she feels a question, she asks it. Um, And I love the story in the book about um, the woman who marries the man, Bluebeard, who like, yeah castle and says you can go in any room except for this one mm-hmm. and when she um her sisters come over and she says we can go in any room except for this one and of course the sisters are wild women which means they're in their natural state they're empowered and so they leave no stone unturned they have the question of well what's in that room then and she's like no no no, we can't go in that room and they go in and there's all these i don't want to spoil it for anyone but point being um i think that the real feminine forces in the world that, that want to really be embodied. They're not afraid to ask the hard questions. Mm. Yeah. I, I was just talking about in, I think the previous episode, I was talking about being calm in the midst of chaos and yeah. how we've like invoked the, we've invoked feminine energy and that that has been such a prevalent theme in the last, probably even like 10 years, maybe more where feminine energy is more rising. Mm-hmm. And I think we all had a little bit of a misconception of what that would look like or what that would be like, but it really is it's chaos and yeah. it's disarray and it's wild and it's, um, completely untamed. And we have this energy that's swirling right now of, uh, that unseen realm yeah. and without form and, um, reading women who, who run, run with wolves is such a great, like, Yes, it's all about feminine energy, but it's also about the balance of the masculine and the feminine energy embodiment of bringing in intuition. And maybe we can just kind of start to close out the podcast in this way of like bringing in intuition, bringing in divine feminine energy. What does that look like embodied? And how does that look like, you know, funneled through a masculine structure and form, um, which is the, the, the physical stuff, like writing your book writing a blog, creating a course, like that's all like masculine energy of existence. And, you know, you can see it. And then all of this unseen, like creativity and intuition and stuff flowing through it. Um, so maybe we can just talk about that a little bit, that balance of, and it seems like you're in that balance right now, like kind of hanging in that center of allowing the creativity to flow, but it doesn't necessarily have to just funnel into something because it needs to funnel into something and, um, maybe just touch on 
when you do start feeling that intuition, you start feeling the creativity, the feminine energy is flowing, deciding what kind of container to put it into. Um, what yeah. kind of vessel does this, does this, should this hold? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, especially in the world where now, I think for a lot of women, you know, we came, we grew up, especially as millennial women and the rise of like women can do it and mm -hmm. getting going online and making it happen. And that's awesome. I also think there's a masculine energy fear of failure to it where a lot of women are, are driven. And, and I say this in my book that, you know, we are like cars and we can be fueled by inspiration or fear, fear of failure. I think the inspiration is more feminine. Usually we're following something intuitive and alive. Fear of failure is more masculine. Usually it's dominated by control and wanting to get something. And we can drive our cars around life with either gas in our tank and get to the same place. But the journey is obviously a lot more fun if you're inspired. Um, and so I would, you know, really take a look at if you are pushing all the time and that's who you're being in your life, do you want that to be the case? Like, does that work for you? Um, you know, this has really manifested a lot in my love life because in my career, the first five years of it, I pushed so hard um, and I've become more feminine because I had to, I was so burned out from that period. Um, now in my love life, like I won't date anyone who makes me feel like I need to push to make it happen. And it's almost like you hold a vision of what is the energy you want your life to be in and realizing that anything you work with or anyone you be with is part of a cocktail and you either like the cocktail or you don't, meaning you plus your job, what's that bringing out for you of you? Yes, you have responsibility to work on yourself, but you also want to pay attention to what things bring out um, you plus that one friend you have. What does that bring out in you? Are you easy or are you controlling intense? Um, it's just important to pay attention to the combinations you're creating and ask yourself, what do I want to feel? Who do I want to be? And does this thing support that or not? Or does this person support that or not? Hmm. Yeah, I guess I never really looked at that that way. That's really, really cool to look at, like mixing your energies. What is this bringing out for me? What kind of space is this creating in my life? Um, okay. So any, any last words that you'd like to leave our listeners with, um, maybe something that they can immediately take home and start to integrate and try out yeah. in their, in their decision-making process. Yeah. I would say like my biggest advice is don't do what you love, do what you are. If you're looking at a career change and you're focusing on an industry or an interest you have, Remember that that really should be secondary to what your skills are. Start with where you're gifted and know that what you're interested in is a backdrop. If you're gifted at writing then and you're interested in cosmetics, then lead with the writing and maybe you'll work at a cosmetic company or something, but lead with the skill. Mm, that's so good. Thank you so much, Ashley, for being here today. And we will put uh, and down in the show notes, your book and links to your courses. I highly recommend going and taking the, um, quiz about what, what was the quiz called on um, your website? I just have a clarity quiz on how to discover your dream career path. And it's yeah. Stall.com. It was so good. I took it I, before we got on here. I was reading the email that you sent. Um, and I love your email sequence, by the way, Thank it's really you. nice. 
it's, it's like very soothing. Sometimes email sequences, it's just like, oh, it's so much. You have a great one. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, so I highly recommend going to take that. Mine was the help helper humanitarian and that I should be an entrepreneur and that my gifts are uh, serving others and so definitely spot on. So mm-hmm. thank you. That yeah. means so much. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.